Well, we are in Colossians, now up to Colossians chapter 3. If you needed a Bible there, a few under that growth banner. I know there's a, a couple of Chinese Bibles and some English Bibles, a Tagalog Bible. And we want you to know for sure, if you uh, would like to take one of those Bibles, you don't have a Bible, then that's our gift for you. So they are there for you to take if you need a Bible. And so please, if you uh, need one, then we're happy for you to take that. We'll replace those. Um, as we see that the stack gets smaller, then we uh, replace. And we uh, love to put God's Word into people's hands. So Colossians chapter 1, we started a few weeks ago with Paul kind of giving this exalted view of Jesus way above everything else. Then uh, as he moved into chapter 2, we start to see him warning against people being kind of dragged off with plausible sounding arguments he says don't let yourself be taken captive by people that are making these arguments that sound like they make sense and then last week um the end half of chapter two he laid out four of those plausible sounding arguments there was one about secret knowledge there was one about strict rules uh people having new visions and then this extreme self-denial we talked about uh gnosticism and legalism uh, asceticism and uh, mysticism, those four things last week. So as we get to chapter 3 this week, Paul's going to come back and focus again on Jesus, not on the false teachers in Corinth or in Colossae, but he's going to come back and focus on Jesus. And then after, read after verse 4, from verse 5 to the end of the chapter, into chapter 4 really, he gets incredibly practical about how we're supposed to be living. And so... Uh, I think the, the core of what Paul would have us to see in this is Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, where he says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I think that's the meat of the passage today, and I think it drives especially what happens in the rest of the letter here. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. So uh, here's, here's kind of the basic outline that I want us to be able to see. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. It's where we're kind of going the whole thing. So we have then to think on eternal things, verses 1 through 4. Uh, then we have a, a list of things to put off and then a list of things to put on. And that's where we're going to finish, right? What's it, what's it really look like for us to live like our life is in Christ. It's, it's really kind of an easy thing to say. Oh, my life is hidden with Christ in God. But what does that actually mean? I would think first we have our minds off of earthly stuff. We, we don't think about the things that are so much on the earth. Before we get too far into this, though, let's just read those the 17 verses. Uh, I want to pray and we'll, we'll, we'll dive in. So Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you uh, also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, Passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is 
idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked. Verse 7. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there, here, here there is not Greek or Jew, Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Then verse 12, put on them as God's chosen wants, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize it's a, it's a big passage and there's a lot that's here. and We could spend a long time really looking at this. And so we pray that as we skim the surface of this this morning, that, Lord, you would give us really specific things that we can see that we need to do in order to obey your word. And I pray that you would mold us and make us to be the kind of church, the kind of believers that you want us to be to make a difference in this world today. We pray that you would guide us. We pray for your spirit to move in power. I ask Jesus that you would help me to decrease, that you might increase in this place. Keep me from error. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in verses 1 through 4, I want to tell you, as I started to get ready, I thought, man, this this needs to be three different sermons. I need a sermon on 1 to 4, a sermon on put off, and a sermon on put on. But we're uh, not necessarily in a rush to get through, but uh, I do think sometimes we get... Uh, we get so much into the small details that we find in the text that we lose kind of the overall picture. And so we are looking to try to say, what's what's Paul saying? Like from chapter 2 into chapter 3. And I started to wrestle with that a bit this week because we end last week talking a lot about legalism. Then Paul gives a list of things that you're not allowed to do and a list of things that you are supposed to do. So how do we have a list of things that we do and don't do and keep ourselves from falling into legalism. That can be a real challenge for us sometimes. And so we want to be able to see kind of the train of thought of the letter as it moves through. So Paul's making this case in the end of chapter 2 that we, we died to the elemental spirits of this world. That means we're free from then those regulations. He said to walk away from these counterfeit things because though they appear to have benefit... In reality, they are of no help at all. And then chapter 3 starts with this great conditional sentence where he says, if, Paul starts out with that idea in chapter 3, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And so as we get into this text, the place for us to start is to ask, have I been raised with Christ? Did I die with him? Have I been raised with him? Where am I 
in this uh, whole relationship issue with Christ. Because if I have been raised with Christ, then the right thing for me to do is to get my mind off of the earth and get my mind onto eternal things. That's what he's saying in verses 1 and 2. Set your mind on things that are above. So how do we, how do, we do that specifically? In our Experiencing God this week uh, Bible study, we had one day you're supposed to just go out and walk for 30 minutes. And you're supposed to just pray and worship and think about your relationship with God. And so uh, I'm out walking the dog and I'm thinking like, oh, there's a monitor lizard, right? And then it's, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be worshiping, right? So I call my mind back and then I think it's getting hot. Then I think, what is that? Why are they doing it? And then I think, oh, I'm supposed to be worshiping, right? I'm supposed to be. And so our mind just will continually, at least mine does, continually kind of comes back to the things of the earth. And so we have to be uh, fighting this battle. How do we do that? Well, in verse 3 and 4, we see that we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. So that when Christ, uh, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so we intentionally set our minds and our hearts and our priorities above so that we're not always drawn back into earthly things because our, our because we died, right? We see that over and over. We haven't, we haven't uh, physically died at this point, but Paul's really clear here and in Galatians and other places that we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ lives in us. And so because we consider ourselves dead in Christ, we have a promise. And this promise is that when Christ, is in verse 4, when Christ appears, we will also appear with him if we are his. When he is, because our life is hidden with him, that when he appears gloriously, then our own glorious self will be appearing with him as well. Which makes me think, what glorious self, right? I don't feel... I don't feel glorious most of the time. And the glorious part of us is that part that's being held securely by Jesus. We have this promise now that is a guarantee because Christ is the one who makes the promise. We will be raised with Christ if we are in him. So what's it really look like for us to get our minds off this world? And what's it mean for us to think on things that are above? This is the maybe the, the more practical part, the rest of this chapter, things to put off and things to put on. Really, it goes on through the rest of this and into early chapter 4. Three different things, sets of things, stuff to stop doing, stuff to start doing, and then how does this work itself out in our relationships? And Sam has the incredible blessing of looking at <laughs> how does this work itself out in our relationships next week, right? It's a... That's a great passage, and so we look forward to hearing from him about that. So when we get to this part, the first part, this taking off or the putting off really is pretty mild. What he's saying is we should put to death, we should put to death these things that are part of our earthly nature, our sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire, and most importantly, our covetousness, which is idolatry. I think it's amazing when I read uh, a list like this because uh, quite honestly I think that evil desires is the worst thing than covetousness. That's just sort of as a human being I think well covetous is not really that big a deal. I should maybe be more concerned about sexual immorality or something else but the truth is when we're coveting 
When we're in this position where we're wishing all the time that we had something else, then we're, we're sending this message, God, you've given me what you've given me, and it's just not enough. I'm not satisfied with the place that you've given me. Uh, I'm not happy with, you made a mistake in putting me the place that you put me. My life is not the way it should be, and that's your fault. And that's the place where covetous, covetousness really does become idolatry, because we start giving God direction and telling Him, I know better how this should have been handled. When we're not satisfied, it says something about our relationship with Christ. If we uh, back up into verse, or actually move ahead then into verse 7, we see that we all used to walk in these kinds of things, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, etc. We used to walk in those things, and we used to live in them. Then he goes on with the second list here. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. He picks up again with this List, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lies. It's just such a great list because it's, it touches on things that we do, like behavior kinds of things, but it's also touching on things that we think and things that we feel and the stuff that's going on inside that other people can't see, which lots of times is more wicked, right? What's happening inside is more wicked than what's happening outside. I think the first, the first list... It really does build from uh, sexual immorality to impurity to passion to evil. It, it goes like this. We will throw ourselves into sexual immorality and we'll just become poisoned in our own minds about what's right and what is wrong. And we don't have the ability to look at other people and think about the right things. We just get burning inside with jealousy over the things that we don't have. We start to look at other people. We start to look at relationships. We start to look at opportunities. And we're thinking, man, what could I get from that person? What could I get out of that situation? And that's a dangerous kind of place for us to live. Really, Paul caps both of, both of these lists with stuff that we don't think a whole lot about. The first one, he's talking about covetousness, right? We just... When we see a Ferrari, we think, well, I'd like to have a Ferrari, right? We don't think about the fact that that kind of constantly wishing, man, why does my neighbor have an auto gate? I have to get out and open my gate. Why do they have, uh, right, why do they have this and I don't have that? And we just, well, why is his, her, her husband better than my husband? Whatever, we have these lists. We don't think so much about this being such a big deal. And the second list is capped with one of those as well because he builds, builds, builds right up to lies, and we just, we just lie all the time, and we don't think anything about it. That's just normal, right? It's just normal for us in this world just to lie. We wish we had different stuff, and we lie. And Paul caps both his lists with those things that we don't think are that big a deal. Then, too, as we move through the first list, it kind of uh, we get a little bit poisoned in how we see other people. The second list does really much the same thing when Paul goes from anger to wrath to malice to slander to obscene talk. To me, I think it goes like this, right? We First we feel this anger and we say, oh, that lady, oh, that lady, right? And inside we've just, oh, that lady, right? Oh, I just can't take And then we move from that into wrath where you find yourself thinking, I could just punch that guy in the face, right? Even if we don't really think, right? We're not the kind of people who are going around punching strangers over a parking place uh, 
when I was a kid, don't tell my mom I told the story, but when I was a kid one time at Christmas, uh, I think it was Christmas anyway, the malls are busy and you have all these problems parking. And so my mom does the thing where she has the blinker, that's my spot. And so when the car comes out, it sort of cuts her off and someone else zips in and she says, that was my spot. And the other person says something basically like, obviously it's not because my car is in it. And then when they went inside, my mom had like an ice cream cone or something. That's why I think maybe it wasn't Christmas. But she smeared it all over this person's windshield. (laughs) Right? We quickly moved from anger, hiss my spot, to wrath, oh, I could just, why do people do that? Into then malice, right? And we, we, we will slide sometimes into malice without realizing. And we start to say things like, oh, I wish... I wish he would just be hit by a truck, right? I wish he would get fired. I wish he would fall and break his leg. I'm so sick of the way that guy acts. And we get anger, wrath, malice. We start wishing for bad things to happen to the people that are around us. And then we move into slander where we start to talk about, you know what everyone says, right? You know why he does that? And we start to fill in those blanks with Slander, lots of times this is just, we, we actively seek to tear people down. We're, we move beyond thinking, oh, that lady. And we're trying to tear someone else down in the estimation of the people around us. And there, from slander, it's an easy step to obscene talk, right? I don't need to give you any examples of obscene talk. I'm sure I don't know any examples of it. You're laughing because you don't believe me, right? We don't need any example, but we really do get to the kind of place where we want to we want to destroy people. Our anger turns to wrath, turns to malice, turns to slander, turns to obscene talk, where we start to view people as really less than really less than you know what you know what they are. And we just start to throw out these words where we debase them as human beings. Paul says, put those things to death. Put those things to death. Do everything in your power to kill those kinds of sin. And verse 10 tells us why. It it says because you have put on the new self, right? This is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the creator. Right? When When we have that kind of filthiness and we take it off, we don't want to put it back on, right? Because we're because we're new people. We're being renewed. We're being renewed in our minds like the creator. Then in verse 11, he gives another list. Here there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And I think, what does this mean? F.F. Bruce says, it means that there's no longer this difference. He says, first, there's no longer a difference in race, Jew and Greek. Oh, you're that kind of person? I'm this kind of person. And we don't eat together. We don't move together. We don't live together. There's no longer these racial things. There's no longer a difference in our religion. Some people are circumcised, some people are not. He said, F.F. Bruce says, that means there's not difference now over this religion. Uh, barbarian and Scythian. You had in, for the Greeks, they considered themselves to be cultured people, great folks. Then they, well, the Jews actually looked at the Greeks, right? Just called them pagans. So you had the Jews who saw the Greeks as less than them, who looked around and saw the barbarians as less than them. And the barbarians looked at the Scythians and said, oh, those people, right? Can you imagine if people that everyone in the world considered a barbarian considered you to be worse than them? Oh, my goodness. He's not even a barbarian. He's a Scythian. Man, that dude, there's nothing you can do with him. 
There's no longer a difference in culture, he says. This Jew, Greek, barbarian, Scythian, Paul says, we just don't have that. That's what Bruce says, F.F. Bruce says. And then we don't have social or economic status in the same way, slave and free. This is what it likes for this is what it's like for us to get our mind off of the earth and onto heavenly things. Because we stop using these kind of dividers that the world relies on all the time. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Where'd you go to school? How much money do you make? How old are you? Right? Those are the things we just own. We just start to uh, make these lines. And we'll typically ask questions until we can say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit better than you. Right? We'll ask that. says, oh, you went to college? I went to grad school. Oh. And then we stop asking those kind of questions. Or, oh, you're from here? Well, I'm from there. You know, we don't, we don't tell people that. But we, oh, oh, you're from the countryside? I'm from the city. Right? But we just, we have these things and we... We use them to make ourselves feel better, but we are going to ditch those things. And so the, thing, the, the issue is when we as lost people come into the church, we have these things about us, right? I'm a white guy. I'm from Kentucky in the U.S., and I went to this kind of school and those kind of school. I, I have those kind of things that I bring with me. But here's the, the glorious, beautiful, incredible part in Christ. Once we come into the church, we're not those things anymore. He says... You're in Christ. This is what he says at the end of verse 11. But Christ is all and in all. So we don't come in and say, well, I'm the head of the factory and you're a house helper, so you should be taking out the trash while I just stand here and talk. That's not who we are, not in Christ. Oh, man, we can't trust that kind of person with the money because they're from this racial background. That's not how we talk because that's, that's not who we are. Not just that's not what we say, that's not what we think because that's not who we are. We're different now that we're in Christ. We've thrown those things out. Then we move to things that we need to put on. Verses 12 to 17, right? Before we get in this place, man, wow, what a bunch of negative stuff, right? Paul just lays out on all this stuff that's so heavy and hard to deal with. He moves on to the really good stuff because we don't just pull off these old things that used to be who we are. We put on new things. And they're not always easy, right? We, it takes some practice, and it takes some discipline, and it takes some time. But he says, as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, we put on compassionate hearts. We put on kindness and humility and meekness and patience. We bear with one another. We forgive one another just like the Lord forgave us. And then Paul puts a big cap on this list as well because he says, above all of these things... Put on love. The thing that holds all of these other things together in perfect harmony. So when, when we do something that's odd, right? It's part of our old culture that we, we haven't completely jettisoned yet. We, we do something and then uh, maybe the immediate feeling is like, well, that was kind of offensive. Why would you say that? But then we're in the church and you're so you're bearing with one another and you're forgiving one another and you're loving one another and then you can come and maybe you can talk about those things but your first thought is well she couldn't have meant that because she loves me because we're in Christ together right the love brings all these other things together in perfect harmony and in this perfect harmony we find the peace of Christ in verse 15 and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And so we have these kind of these lists and Paul brings this 
these opposites in this second one that's just amazing. So now instead of anger and rage and malice, we have peace. We have peace. We, instead of immorality and foul talk and lying to one another, we have peace. And in a place of covetousness, we have gratitude. All right, that's, that's got to be the exact opposite of not, of not wanting the new thing all the time to be just grateful for the things that we for the things that we do have. What an amazing gift. Then in verse uh, 16, we let the word of Christ overflow in us and through us, and we teach one another, and we encourage one another, and we wisely correct one another. That's what admonish means. We wisely correct each other, and we worship. And we worship. I get with people sometimes, and they say, oh, I just don't like to sing. And I think, it's fine that you don't like to sing, but you just have to recognize God's people have always been singing people. That's one of the big, I think, the big things that differentiates Christianity from all of the religions of the world. We sing. We sing and we teach ourselves these songs that encourage us. And when we're uh, laying on the MRI table, right, we're thinking about these things. And on that day, when my strength is failing, right, that's the kind of thing that we're thinking about. Lord, if I come out or not, I know I'm going to be okay. That's the thing that encourages us. And I think, for at least for me, most of the time, I'm not laying there thinking about snippets of sermons. I'm having songs that roll through my heart. And so we sing songs that are uh, songs that we sing right to the Lord. We sing songs that are songs that we just sing to other people and we encourage one another in those. We sing songs to ourselves. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. We're just singing that. Just like, what, what's the matter with you, soul? Get, get it together. We sing, we just overflow with our hearts, just bursting with thanksgiving. That's where he ends in verse 16. So if we go back to verse 1, let's think about this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So if we have been raised, by, we've been raised with Christ, then these things in verses 12 through 17 are the ways that we should Look, and so the question I've had to ask myself as I studied and prepared this week, is that what most people think of when they think about the church? Right? When we go to our friends and neighbors and say, I want to invite you to come to church with me, do they think, man, you know what? There's a, a humble, a humble, graceful, merciful, loving group of people who have torn down all of these dividers and they're coming together into this new body. Or do people in the world think something a lot different from that when they think about the church? Do they think about judgment and all these different kinds of things that we, that we look like sometimes? It would be hard to speak against a group of people who are known for compassion and mercy and patience and forgiveness and love and gratitude and harmony. So if churches in Malaysia are full of compassion and mercy and patience and forgiveness and gratitude... Then when the community comes against them, you know what happens? The immediate community says, wait, these people love us. These people are good neighbors. These people participate. These people provide for us. We don't want them out of here. We don't want that place shut down and a tuition center to go in there. We like that church being up there. So now that the, the Bakute place is moving from next door to downstairs, I just, I, I really like these people. Right? I've said that a few times. I don't know that you should eat there, but I really like these people. I've eaten there. It's good. And so I said, uh, 
hey, when, you, when are you moving? And they said, after Chinese New Year, we're going we're gonna to move. We can't afford to pay rent in both places. And I said, before you open, if you want, I would love to come and just pray that God would bless your business and prosper you. And they said, we're not Christians. And I said, I understand. I don't have to come. I'm just telling you I'm willing to come and ask that God would bless your business and would prosper you and would, that the Lord would be with you. It's hard to be mad at neighbors that are doing that, trying to be loving and forgiving and gracious and, and harmonious. So the question is, we ask ourselves, are those the kind of adjectives that describe IBCBI? And if they are not the kind of things that describe IBCBI, then um, what do we need to do to get ourselves as a body in a place when someone says, International Baptist Church Bukadinda, that their first response is, man, that's a group of people that love Jesus. They love Jesus and they love us. I have a few ideas. Here's the first one. We should get God's view of sin, right? The world, the world is just telling us all these things are normal, right? Porn is normal and cheating is normal and lying is normal. Taking advantage of poor people is normal. And I want you to hear, it may be normal, meaning that most people do it, but if it's normal, that doesn't make it right. That does not make it okay. God hates sin. He hates it so much that he slaughtered his only son on a cross so that we could be rescued from the grasp of this sin. So when we downplay sin, what's just, what's just not a big deal? We're downplaying what Christ did for us. Died on the cross, big deal, right? Sin's not a big deal, so I'm sure the payment wasn't a big deal either. God calls his people to live a life of holiness, and if we will see these things in the text today and we will live that way, then guess what? The world around us will see the difference. They will see the difference, and they will respond to it, right? Right, right out of Matthew 5, 16, let your good deeds so shine before men that they might see them and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we just need to get God's view of sin. This is a challenge, right? Uh, it's a challenge for all of us. It's no fun when the Holy Spirit lays his finger on us and said, that thing that you just did, that was sin. Not okay. Knock it off. Put that to death. Stop it. Is that who you are? That's just no fun. Here's the second thing. Get our eyes off the differences. The world sees race and religion and class and culture, and the church really ought to be an antidote to that. The gospel is for every tribe, every tongue, every language, and every nation. It is for every race. It is for every religious background. It is for every class. It is for every culture. The gospel is for all people. The gospel is for all people. And when we can model what it looks like to have a multicultural, multi-generational, multi-ethnic kind of church, then we're going to give people a glimpse of what heaven will be like. And so we get our eyes off these things that are on the outside and we get our eyes instead up onto the spiritual plane. We, def we definitely still have our culture, cultural differences, right? There are things that we like to eat that, you know, one person likes to eat something and I don't know, there may be people here, I don't want to offend you, but there is a loxa place in the bottom of KSL that I think smells like someone took a dumpster and set it out in the hot sun for two months and then set it on fire. They put it in Bukit Inda down here in the food court, and they put it in 
uh, the paradigm. I just think it's the worst smelling stuff in the history of the world. I go when I come into the shop, I'm like, oh, they're selling durian, and I'm so excited. Like I'm just falling in my nose. So I find the durian or the jackfruit because I think it smells so incredibly sweet. And that lock stuff. When I when I go by, I feel like I've been punched in the stomach. And I look at people and I think, how can they eat that garbage? Oh, it's the worst. Have you smelled it? I don't even like to eat at the subway that's inside the Buka Inda, the Aeon food court because it's so close to that Loxa place. I hate it. Like I want to go to the other end of the mall and use the escalator so I don't have to go right above it. We get our eyes off those kind of outer things, right? It's, 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 it's the kind of thing that we too often will say, they eat food that I don't like to eat and so I don't want to be part of that. They, they kind of sing things that I don't like to sing. I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of that. Their people are too old. Their people are too young. Their people are too Chinese. Their people are not Chinese enough. All those kind of things that happen. We say, I don't want to be part of that. But we want to be getting our eyes off of those differences. Third thing. Make relationships central to your walk with God. If we go back to verse 16 here. I hope that you hear this almost every week because I really think this is critical for us. Not just in this church, but us as believers. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We make relationships central when we allow admonishing. I don't think very many of us are comfortable with admonishing or with admonishment, right? We're, we hear something and someone says something wrong or they do something wrong. We just kind of think, well, I'm just going to... Sometimes we just overlook it, right? So it's not a big deal. We overlook it. But there are other times that we, we just need to, we need to be able to get with someone and say, this thing that you're doing, you can't really do this. I, I have a, a, a guy that... Probably the, the single greatest influence on me in the faith. And early on, when I first met him, we were talking, and he, he just one day at work said, would you do me a favor? And I said, yeah. And he said, would you stop calling yourself a Christian if you're going to behave the way that you behave? Right? Private, not a lot of people around, just like, you're welcome to behave and do whatever you want, but please stop making us look bad. You live this way and you say this. People think we're like that, and we're not like that. You're like that. I'm happy for you to be like that, but don't say you're like me if you're going to be like that. And just like in Acts chapter 2, I cut to the heart, right? Thinking, man, what a hypocrite I am. What a, what a kind of fake double sort of life I'm leading. We don't love to be admonished, and we don't love really to admonish people. It's uncomfortable when we do that. But if we will be the New Testament church, that's what we're going to do. We have to do that, though, in relationship, right? We gently and we lovingly let people know that they're wandering off the track. That thing you're doing, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. And so when we're in relationship and when we love people then guess what they can say something and even though it's painful we receive that as loving and gentle and uh, we appreciate that kind of correction because we know that someone's trying to help us 
That doesn't always go that way, right? I can think of specific examples in my life where I got a brother and said, love you, wanted to share this thing, and he said, hey, you know what? You need to get the log out of your own eye. I thought, ooh, man, that didn't go. That didn't go how I thought it was going to go. Right? It caused me to, okay, pull back, go restart. Am I, is, there, is, he, is he right? Is there, do I have a log in my own eye about this issue? What do I need to do to get myself in a place where I can have this conversation with him? When we have deep relationships in the church, it speaks to the world, right? People around us are longing for actual relationships. We are in touch with more people right now in the world than ever. And lots of people would say they feel more disconnected, more alone than they've ever felt. How could we possibly be as connected to to so many people and feel less connection to the people? But it's true. Part of our getting our minds on these eternal things is going to mean actual relationships with actual people. And that's just messy sometimes, right? We, we see and we respond to this value that people have because they're created in God's image. Sometimes they correct me and sometimes I correct them. And we just, it's, it's, it's not that neat or smooth, but it is, it's really important. It's critical for us. Very last thing. We'll be raised with Christ, right? All of these things that we're talking about are dependent on being connected with God through Jesus. And so if you've never come to faith in Christ, you have no hope of stripping off your sexual immorality. Of course it's normal for you to be sexually immoral if you're lost. That's the way you're supposed to be. You're just eat up by your sin. You have no choice but to sin. But when you come to Christ, we do have a choice. And so these things are all built on knowing Christ. So if you have died and been raised by him, raised with him, then you are connected. And if you're connected, then you have at least the help of the Holy Spirit to do these things that we've been talking about. But if you're not connected with him in faith, then I would say this. Today, admit the fact that you have sinned, and when you sin, it destroys your relationship with God. You accept the fact that Jesus died as your perfect sacrifice to pay for your sin. You confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and then you tell people that you're ready to serve Him. I'm separated because of my sin, not because of anything that anyone else did, but I did. I'm separated from God because of that. But I believe that Jesus died to wipe out that debt and to bring me back. And I want Him to do that, and I want Him to keep doing that, holding me, holding me, holding me forever, so that I'm always His. You have to tell people about that, so that they can... Walk with you and encourage you and be blessed by you and be encouraged by you. Not just encourage you, but be encouraged by you, right? If, you're, if God's going to put you in the body, it's because you have a gift that's going to benefit all of the rest of us. We need you. So come to faith if you've never come to faith. If you've been raised with Christ, here's the thing. Set your mind on the things that are above. If you've never been raised with Christ, then this morning, today, be raised with Him. Let's pray together. Lord, it's just a huge kind of task to look at um, this list and we probably all of us would, would be able to recognize things on those lists of things that we should take off that for whatever reason are very appealing to us. And um, Lord, we, we, we just need the power of the Spirit to really put those things to death. We need uh, the church, we need brothers and sisters who will come around us and love us and encourage us to uh, 
be disciplined and make hard choices and, uh, and, to, and to turn our eyes away from things that we shouldn't be, to stop our minds so that we're not led away captive by one of these uh, easy sounding things that we hear in the world today. We pray that you would allow us, Lord, to be a place that is a body. And while some of us have a lot of experience in the world and some of us have very little experience in the world, while some of us are highly educated and some of us are not so highly educated, while some of us have great influence in our workplace and others of us don't have great influence in our workplace, that we come here and all of those things are stripped aside. That we could be this new thing, this kingdom of priests that you're building. And we will be, Lord, a light that is on a hill that shines. That we would be salt that is pressed into the world here to, uh, to arrest the decay that just continues to happen as we uh, progress farther and farther away from the cross and closer and closer to a day of judgment. We pray for your help, Holy Spirit, that we might live in a way that brings glory and honor to the name of Christ. And for those who would say they stand apart today, then I pray, Jesus, that you would miraculously, wonderfully, gloriously save them this morning, that they would understand in their heart, I'm divided, but I shouldn't be. I don't want to be. Not one more day. I pray that you would meet them today, and I pray that you would save them. Lord, we pray for those who are traveling, who are away. We ask that you would bless families as they go back. I know for uh, believers and Chinese families that there are oftentimes uh, real struggles with the family when they go back. If they're the first believer or one of the first few believers in their household, there are things they can't really participate in. And I pray you'd give them wisdom about that. And I pray that you would give them grace with their family, that you would just uh, allow there to be some peace to rule in those places. There wouldn't be this kind of a pressure and argument and, oh, you think you're better than us and all this kind of divisive things that happen. We pray instead for peace in those situations and we pray that these believers would be able to go back and share christ in their families that not just they would say i'm one of the first believers but they would be able to say christ came in and changed my entire family so we pray for victory to be happening in those families this week we love you thank you god for the grace that's been shown to us thank you that our life is hidden with christ and god so that we can be sure that when he appears that we will appear with him. We pray that you would just bless and use this church for your uh, glory, for uh, the power, um, Lord, that you want to extend in this world, that your kingdom really would come on earth uh, and your will would be done on earth even as it is done in heaven. So we pray that you would just bless and watch us as we go this week. Be, be using us, we pray. Make us your hands and feet in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you very much. We pray you have a wonderful week and if you have the opportunity to hang around with us for a while